And in the wings, they've got a local racist Democrat district attorney in Atlanta who is doing everything in her power to indict me over an absolutely perfect phone call. That was Donald Trump, only hours after the former president pleaded not guilty in a Manhattan court to 34 felony charges relating to hush money payments. Trump is facing several other criminal investigations, including one in Georgia, relating to the infamous Find the Votes call. President Trump, we've had several lawsuits and we've had to respond in court to the lawsuits and the contentions. We don't agree that you have one. We don't, we, I didn't agree about the 200,000 number that you mentioned. And I could go through that point by point. That's Brad Raffensperger, Georgia's Secretary of State. He stood up to Trump and a grand jury is now considering whether to charge the former president for crimes against Georgia's electoral laws. Raffensperger is a Republican. He was demonized by Trump supporters. He and his family and his team received death threats, but he did not flinch. Despite the Trump-inspired abuse, he was re-elected as Secretary of State in the 2022 midterm elections last year. So, we're talking elections, politics, and Trump. Brad Raffensperger, great to see you. I guess, um, apart from an interest in democracy, we've both had one thing in common, which is very difficult phone calls with Donald Trump. That's a, a common bond we share. Now, a few years have passed since your uh, notorious call with President Trump. Are you more optimistic about the endurance of American democracy than you were then? Yes, I've never had doubts about America or really the America... Uh, that I grew up in, American democracy, the republic, uh, that we are, uh, we're a very strong, solid nation. Sometimes we take a, a, a shot at, and we sometimes wonder about, you know, what's going on. And we've had these, we had those during, you know, in the 70s when we had high inflation. And then we had Ronald Reagan came along and, you know, he fixed a lot of the issues. And sometimes things, you know, work so well, we forget why we uh, changed in the first place. But I think we're really in one of those pivotal moments right now, but we'll come out of it again. We're strong, we're resilient. And I think that's why a lot of people, our adversaries particularly, they misjudge us sometimes. They see about all this internal family squabbling. They don't understand, you know, that may be a family fight, but you start picking on America, America will, will really, you know, come back unified like it has every time before. So we're really grateful for, you know, our, our Australian friends. You've been one of our allies uh, we've had a strong partnership with Australia, and I value that. Oh, thank you, Brad. Yes, well, it is the the alliance with the United States is uh, really the bedrock of our security, and we have shared values, shared history. Uh, I mean, the links go well beyond a president and a prime minister. They're just so deep. Now, you're the Secretary of State of Georgia. That's an elected position, and you you are responsible for the for the electoral system and administering it. That that's right. Yes, we have oversight responsibility. So in, in Georgia and really most of the states in America, the, the election really starts at the precinct level, the local level, where they do all the work and that's where the voters show up to vote when they vote in person. And then our counties, you know, uh, assimilate and collect all that information, 
certify it at the county level, and then send it up to the state. And then we certify all the county results for all 159 counties that we have in the state of Georgia. So, Brad, in Australia, as you know, we have a National Electoral Commission, which is an independent agency. And for 100 years, we've had compulsory voting, ranked choice voting and districting is done by the Australian Electoral Commission. So it's not political process at all. Just for the benefit of our Australian listeners, what, what percentage of adult Georgians are on the roll? On the electoral oh, roll? on the rolls. Right now US in Georgia, we probably are about about 98% of all eligible voters are registered voters in Georgia. That's fantastic. That, 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 that's awesome. And, and what percentage of those uh, registered voters actually vote in an election? About 65 to 68%. Um, w- w- one of the big problems that we've faced in democracies everywhere has been misinformation and, you know, conspiracy theories, craziness, and you, you've had you had this in the US with the allegations about the Dominion voting machines being what sort of micromanaged by Hugo Chavez or other wild conspiracy theories which were all mm-hmm. disproved and obviously now the subject of litigation against Fox. You were able in 2020, because of your paper ballot, uh, when all of this conspiracy stuff was flying around, to do a recount, as you described, what do you think it would have looked like in Georgia if you hadn't been able to do that paper recount and, you know, confirm uh, very tangibly, palpably, that uh, you'd got the right result? Well, I think then you would have even had even more distrust of the election results. So I think having the paper ballot you know, that was something that really helped, you know, shore up any concerns that people had. Now, there were so many other, you know, allegations, misinformation, disinformation that were put out there. In fact, a judge just made a ruling in that case of Dominion versus Fox News and said that everything that was put out there by the Fox News host, uh, none of it was supported by the facts. But bit by bit, you know, we've been pushing back on all that, you know, disinformation but it had been out there and it has done, you know, damage. It has really kind of ruptured our, some of our social fabric. But I think that's where you have to confront it. You have to give people the information. You have to give them the facts. And I think the best way to do that also is to be fact-based and do it in a less emotional tone because people have been doing things and saying things in a very emotional you know, spirit but it was never supported by the facts. But all you're really doing is just agitating people. And so uh, I am an engineer, I'm a business person, so I deal with facts, I deal with logic, and that's what I provided people. And the American people didn't disappoint because they're, they're solid people. I think they're like Australians. We, you know, they, they just live life, they you know, wake up in the morning, they put their pants on one leg at a time, and then they go out and do their job. And so they want facts, and eventually they see through all the hype and all of the buffaloes do. Brad, the, the Australian Electoral Commission has had to face claims about, you know, misinformation claims, you know, crazy conspiracy theories as well. And they had a very proactive campaign which surprised a few, quite a few people using social media, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, the works, uh, and took the approach of every time a crazy claim was made, knocking it on the head quickly, uh, which which has was very effective. D- did you have you done the same thing in Georgia to deal with these 
uh, false claims and misinformation? Yeah, after 2020, we were sometimes uh, we were sending people out to do press conferences one time to sometimes twice a day. Uh, you know, getting out there on you know Twitter, on Facebook, getting out there with the facts. Uh, but some people had much bigger Twitter feeds on the other side. When you have 70 million plus Twitter followers, you can really, it's like a, a bullhorn, a bullhorn. And, you know, we're doing the best we can with our 40 to 50,000, but we were very active out there doing interviews. But over a period of time, I wrote a book called Integrity Counts to just share the facts. Other people have written books. Uh, we wrote a letter and I wrote a letter to Congress, a 10 page, 12 page letter that they got. On January 6th, so before they voted, I wanted them to have all the facts. The U.S. attorney from Atlanta disproved a lot of the false allegations that were raised. And that that U.S. attorney, Bobby Christine, was handpicked by President Trump to specifically look into what happened in the counting of the absentee ballots in Fulton County, State Farm Arena. Why wouldn't you want to find the right answer, Brad, instead of keep saying that the numbers are right? So look, uh, can you get together tomorrow? And Brad, we just want the truth. It's simple. And the the real truth is I won by 400,000 votes, at least. So so what are we going to do here, folks? I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. That's former President Donald Trump on the 2nd of January 2021, talking on the phone with Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. It's the infamous find me the votes call, what Donald Trump calls a perfect call. Brad, you know, I've always felt in in government that truth plus transparency builds trust. Uh, So you've got to to get the facts straight. Uh, You've got to be open about it so people can see the process. You know, they can sort of look behind the curtain, see how the sausage is made then they'll trust you. So, and you, you know, you, you've done that. How did you feel? You must have, you know, been taken aback when Trump asked you to find the votes or demanded that you find the votes that he felt he needed to win in, in Georgia. You know, you stood up to him. Uh, I mean, I, st- I, I had a row with Trump too and stood up to him, but it was easier for me. I was over here in Australia. I was Prime Minister of, of my own country. You know, you're actually... In the U.S., so I—I I mean, I can't imagine the pressure you're under. How, how, how did you feel when he demanded you do that? Uh, I was want to give him the facts, and I wanted to be respectful. And everyone can listen to it; it's still out there, I'm sure, in the ether of the internet, so people can listen to it. But uh, I responded. Uh, he mentioned that he thought that 5,000 dead people had voted. Uh, the Trump campaign had actually sued us, saying that there's 10,000 dead people, and I told him that we only had two. Uh, we found two more, so that was a total of four. In fact, well, I didn't realize until just recently, but he his campaign paid over half a million dollars for a research report, the Berkeley Research Report, that the, I guess the January 6th committee, I understand from reports, has that. And they had less than 25 dead people, but there weren't 5,000. But I just respectfully gave him the information. He uh, raised several other concerns, and we gave came back with facts. And I wanted him to know at the end of the day he had bad data, and these are what the facts. We did a 100% hand recount, and he came up short. We were verifying signatures. The counties were verifying signatures. We did a signature match study in Cobb County where they said it wasn't being done. 
and we verified the signature match was being accurately and professionally done. It was things like that. But at the end of the day, what really happened in Georgia, and this is what people don't understand, you do not have to vote for every name that's on that ballot. And in Georgia, 24,000 people skipped the presidential race. They did not vote for anyone. They didn't vote for President Trump. They didn't vote for Joseph R. Biden. They didn't vote for the Libertarian. They left it blank. And yet they voted down ballot in other races. And that's why President Trump came up short. Right. That's that's that, that that's very interesting. Well, Brad, I guess you're not a cricket fan, uh, but so you may not understand the metaphor, but in Australia we would say you have played a very straight bat in the face of all of these assaults. In your your calm, your determination, you know, the, the leadership, the integrity you've shown has been admired around the world. You know, you American democracy was put under enormous stress at that time. It, it's a stress that's been reflected in many other democracies. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's really thanks to courageous people like yourself, people whose integrity is matched by courage, that, you know, we're we're hanging on to that uh, republic. I mean, it was Benjamin Franklin, wasn't it, who said after the first convention uh, to an inquirer, uh, it's a republic if we can keep it. It requires courage. It requires integrity. It requires those basic, you know, American values, but I'd say they're Australian values, but they're universal values of really, you know, integrity, honesty, truthfulness. It's the values that our parents, parents raised us by. And uh, if you got enough spankings when you're a young person, hopefully you got to beat out of your system uh, so that as you grow up, you can be, you know, fully human and, you know, lead with integrity. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think spanking is a, is out of fashion nowadays, but the parenting. I know, parenting. but it wasn't when I was <laughs> My I think I'm, I think I'm older than you but it certainly was wasn't out of fashion when I was young but uh, but nonetheless uh, stern leadership and uh, and firm uh, correction is uh, to be called for at all levels yeah well it's called, it's, it's accountability like you said and yeah, to exactly. your job to follow the law and follow the Constitution it's as simple yes. as that. Yeah, Brad, thank you so much. And thank you very much for your for your time today. I know how busy you are. Uh, well, and well. Uh, this will be of huge interest in Australia. And, you know, I hope to people who listen to it in the US will find some of the reflections on the Australian system interesting as well because one of the things we should do more of is have more discussions like this and learn more from each other because, you know, frankly, as a businessman, you know, I got, I got into politics when I was 50 after a career in business. Uh, so I'm like you, you know, a businessman who's found himself in politics. Business is very global. You know, people are very conscious of what's happening everywhere else. But a lot of politics and even policy is very, very local. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. But you've, always, you've got to recognise that everybody, just about everybody else is trying to solve the same problems. And uh, the more we talk, the more we uh, relate to each other, the more, you know, we can learn both from our successes and uh, from our mistakes. There's a lot of truth to that, Malcolm. And uh, I think if you open up the doors to help explain some of the, you know, political, how you do elections in Australia. So Americans just said, oh, that's interesting. That may not work in here, but that, you know, a couple of those ideas would work. And, uh, you know, we do evolve over a period of time and we try different things. Uh, we'll continue to, you know, adapt uh, as we need to, 
you know, so everyone knows that they have a voice in the process. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's what it's all about. Well, thank you very much indeed. And uh, I hope we'll catch up uh, in person before too long. Well, I don't know where that'll be, your side or my side, but if you're ever in America, please come by. I will. Thanks so much, Brad, and come to Australia. See you. The podcast was written and produced by myself and Lisa Main. Music was composed by Helena Chaika. Listener.